Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Lori Palau is a mom, professional organizer, and founder of Simply Be Organized. Welcome to This Organized Life, where each week she'll share practical tips even the most disorganized person can follow. Struggling with clutter? Looking for the best products to keep you organized? You've come to the right place. Here's your host, organizing expert, Lori Palau. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of This Organized Life. I'm your host, Lori Palau, joined by Miss Erica Goodyear. Good morning. How are ya? I'm good. Mm. I can't complain. No, no complaints. Spring is here. The birds are chirping. Exactly. Yes. Life is life is good. Yes. And we've got a good guest today. I know. I can't wait. I always say that, but like, I don't think we really bring on bad guests. But no, but it's nice because they come from all different backgrounds. That's I, the interesting thing. I know. And our guest today, I'm super excited because. He's a fellow New Hopian. Which is awesome. We love that. <laughs> um, and he's also a friend of mine and super ridiculously talented. And I bet you most of our viewers know his stuff without even knowing that they know it. So our guest today, I'm going to not leave you guys in suspense anymore. No, no hanging. <laughs> no more hanging, is a friend of mine, Bill Eastburn, who is a furniture designer for Crate and Barrel. And he is mad talented and does a lot of his... And he's going to elaborate better, but a lot of the designs that he does, and he designs for Crate and Barrel Kids, which used to be Land of Nod, for those of you out there, um, it all incorporates storage. And when I started my business years ago, I was talking to Bill about all the amazing things that he does because I actually – we've bought – many of his products to use in our clients' homes. And it's Which not... Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I but mean, you know, that, that you know the designer. <laughs> I know. I, I, it makes me sound so important. I really like it. I know. I work for an author. <laughs> oh my gosh. You and the working for an author. Anyway. I got well, to put it out there. Sorry. Well, I don't want to make this about us. Certainly not about me. But I do want to make it about Bill. So let's welcome Bill to the show. How are you, Bill? Oh, great. Well, if I knew I was going to get that introduction, I would have come on months ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, I've been trying to get you on. I remember the first time I – it was probably like a few months after we started the podcast and we started having guests on. And I remember shooting Bill an email. And I was like, do you want to be on my show? And you were like, no, thanks. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, that's okay. But thank you. And I was like, I'll be back. <laughs> And then we've well, tried a I couple sort, times. I sort of work out of a cave, so I sort of come up for air once in a while. So it's, you know, I'm out of it right now. And I'm ready to talk. <laughs> well, I well, I appreciate it. Okay, so I'm going to shut up and I'm going to allow you to tell our listeners about you and what you do in your background because I think it's super interesting. Thank you. So I have a furniture and product design company. And what I do now is radically different from when I started in the 1990s. Um, when I first started out, I was doing these sort of one-of-a-kind pieces from – 
you know, stores from F.A.O. Schwartz to Carly Simon's Midnight Farm in, in Martha's Vineyard. And I really slogged it out for, for too many years to sort of trying to figure it out. This is like pre-Etsy, pre-internet. So try to bring your, you know, designs to market was, was so much different than today. And so I sort of got my big break when um, I was at a trade show and Ballard Designed to sell my stuff. And there was this little coat rack that we were doing and they, they showed some interest and they said they'd send an order in a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, my fax machine absolutely blew up with orders. It was like, I was used to ones and twos. And here's like 300, 400, 800 orders. And the first of them are, are due in four weeks. And here I am in this, you know, tiny little studio. And I had like an occasional kid that would come in and kind of apprentice for me. And I had to figure this out in four weeks. So I ended up um, going to Lancaster and, and partnering with these Mennonite companies and they would do all the woodworking and then I hired sort of this handful of artists from the New Hope area and you know they were high school kids and college kids and we would paint the stuff we would ship it we would do everything and all the while we're in this 700 square feet of almost barely heated studio space so we had every single inch of the of the studio packed with production stuff and we were trying to spray furniture and packing all at the same time um and then sort of we that's sort of where we started to ramp up. And but again, it was still kind of micro manufacturing. And then really everything for me changed with one phone call. And on the other end of the line was Scott Ehrenberg. And he had just started the Land of Nod with his childhood friend. They had seen my stuff at a store in New York and they had made some phone calls around the Doylestown area. And I think they eventually got my dad's secretary. And she's like, Oh, I think you want the son. So he calls me and He's like, we've started this, you know, little catalog and we, we've seen your work and we want to see if you want to work with us. And, you know, granted here, I'm still standing in this 700 square feet of space and, you know, I'm trying to play cool, you know, coy without him, like, you know, hearing me jump up and down. I was going to say, you're probably like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. So then, um, you know, through the conversation, he and I had really the same sort of concept of where kids stuff should go. You know, it was still, this is the era of you know, the, a lot of licensed stuff, a lot of like overly painted things. And so our idea, and this is what I have been doing for a few years already, was more of this sophisticated um, designs that were scaled down for kids. And we were sort of offering an alternative to to plastics. So it was still real wood and, and things like that. So through the first couple of years of the catalog, we realized that parents were dying for, you know, an alternative to that. So they wanted you know, these storage solutions that could work um, throughout the house that could, you know, really carry from bedroom to playroom um, to family spaces. And this is really what, what had happened to us when my um, wife and I had our, had our twins, that we had this nice little minimalist living room, and then overnight it went into mayhem. So fortunately, at that point, I'd already had a bunch of stuff with Land of Nod that we could bring in that, you know, really solved a lot of our, our storage um, issues right away. And they were they could work in the family space. So it wasn't, you know, this Batman toy box. We really, it could morph right into the family space. I think that's really relevant because a lot of the times parents, you know, even if you have a dedicated playroom, you have to have stations throughout your house. And we were just at a client the other day and there's a playroom section of their family room. And you want to be able to have something that is versatile enough that it's not standing out like an eyesore, that it just incorporates naturally into the design so you don't have to feel like you're in the middle of 
a playground. And I think right. that's one of the beauties of the stuff that you design is that it's stuff that you really – it can grow with your kids. It's not super babyish. It's stuff that can transition throughout the different phases of their development. Right. And this is really how people are living now. You, you know, sometimes if you're fortunate, you do have a designated playroom, but a lot of times it's really the family space. So this, you know, we've been doing it for years, but it's really bringing that look in as we were talking about that it's not overwhelming what you already have, that it really plays nice with, you know, maybe the, the couch and the chair you have and the coffee table and it sort of morphs right in. No, absolutely. So from your perspective, like when you're looking to design a new product. I mean, are is there certain areas that you feel that people overlook when it comes to functional storage? Like, where do you think people are maybe, you know, struggling that you're trying to solve that problem? You know, I think for kids, especially if they can see it, they'll play with it. Um, totally. When I first started off my design business, everything was still the traditional toy box with the lid and everything got buried. So you could have a kid that gets a toy at, you know, they're three years old and they may not find it till they're 10 because it's buried at the bottom. So I actually, I was inspired. I remember being up in an antique store up the river and they had this old general store um, display counter. And it's where, you know, you would have all the candy, and but everything was visible. So I had this sort of aha moment that instead of approaching the toy box, like everyone else was doing, let's make it where the kid can see it and they can actually grab the stuff and they know where it goes and it's really well organized and divided. And that for me has been my most successful product to date. I think I designed it in 2002 and that's still going strong where Landon Nods had it and now Creighton Kids has picked it up. I love the Creighton Kids. And you know, it was funny because just a quick side note, Eric and I were shopping for a client. And we try to do as much as we can online just to streamline our efficiencies, but sometimes it requires us to actually go to the store. And so we were down and shopping for a client and we wound up going to a Crate and Barrel and I saw the Crate and Kid stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like Bill's stuff. And then I'm like, oh wait, it is Bill's stuff. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm like, this looks like just like the stuff that he's doing. And, I, and you're like, you know that that's my design. So I'm like, oh, I guess I did. <laughs> um, so I think that that you hit the nail right on the head, and we talk about this a lot about the visibility because we want to make it simple. When we're trying to figure out a system and a solution that works, whether it's you're talking about toy storage or clothing storage or arts and crafts, whatever it is, you have to make it easy for the kids to retrieve it because that's what it's all about. Whether you're a filing system of filing toys or filing papers, it's the ease of the retrieval. And if you are asking kids to take that extra step of taking a lid off, it may sound like it's not a big deal, but it really is. So the more that you can have, you know, open containers that make it, that aren't like super deep that people can easily access, make it so much simpler for them to do what the piece is designed to do, which is allow to keep it clutter free. Right. And I think we started to see a lot of success when we started to think of like bookcases as a complete system. So yes. to your point of making these, these bins that are specifically designed to go into that space. And the cool thing is, so the kid can pull it out put it on the on the carpet, dump the toys out, play with it, and then it's easy just to stick it right back in the bin and then slide it right back into the bookcase and you're, you know, making that one step easier. Yes, absolutely. I think that's I think that's great. So what other types of things inspired you in terms of because when you work your I mean your kids are like mine, they're teenagers now, but when they were younger, were you like, this is a problem in our house, so I have to 
figure out a solution because I'm sure other people are having it. Like, where are you getting your inspiration of what to design? Well, the weird thing is I designed kids stuff for, for years without having kids. So That's I guess true. I got, yeah. I guess I got a head start, but I think one of the biggest things is after the kids were born and then we started like thinking, okay, let's, do we do a low, like train play table? Do you do the midsize one, but they stand and they can't, you know, they can't get in a chariot. And to me, it seemed like an absolute waste of money to, to start off with that low train table. So I remember being out in Chicago with the, the Land of Non-Buying Group and, and pitching this idea of these adjustable height tables where you could get the, the legs to start off where it's the low train. Then the kid could graduate up to the, you know, the uh, mid-sized play table and then actually could go right up to the desk. And then it's sort of like in reverse now where you start to say if it's if it's well made, that desk then can convert back to, say, a coffee table height and then the kid can take it to college with them. So that's been really cool to see that. And we have those in our house. And it's been really fun to see actually the kids interact with my own designs. I'm sure that's got to be super cool. But what I love about what you're saying is there's so much, a lot of times people hold on to this, and this translates into the clutter that we see, is people don't want to get rid of things because they may have invested a lot of money in that, or they're like, it's still in good shape, but we don't really have a use for it because like you said, the chair is too low, the table's too low, it's not appropriate anymore. But the stuff that you're designing, that you're putting out there, people are making an investment in something that is going to have longevity. It's going to serve a purpose for more than just one quick season of your child's life as a toddler. And I think that's great. It's like when the whole convertible crib to a bed thing was a big craze. Do you know what I mean? Because people are like, yes, I'm willing to invest money in something that's going to be well-made, well-constructed, and be functional as well. Right. I actually worked on a on a bassinet crib project that was convertible, but then we took it one step to the extreme and it was it could start as like a toy box to a bassinet to a crib to a toddler bed um which was really fun so it was all the interchangeable parts um to do so i mean that's what makes my job great because i mean i used to manufacture and you end up and that was really out of necessity where i didn't know where you know i didn't have enough you know volume for someone else to make it so i just started making myself but then you end up in this rut where you're designing like two products a year three products a year and then you're just chasing people around to try to get it made right. versus being a designer you're you're really doing this 24 7 and it's really you know it's been it's been a great you know career that sort of stumbled into no that it's it's so fascinating to me and i feel like your furniture is like transformers for furniture. Like Thank you. <laughs> as you're talking and you're like, it morphs into this and it morphs into that. And I think there's, and again, the, the look for those of you, and we'll have links to Bill's designs and his Instagram page and everything. So you can go check out his stuff for yourself. But what's really nice about it, it's all clean and very, you know, it, it's, it's not indicative of very babyish or too mature for a baby. Like it's very, um, I don't even know what the word of, it's it's just clean and simple and adaptable. And I love it. And I wish, you know, if I had little kids, I would have started with your stuff. So but you. well, I, one thing I always yeah. think about with people is you never want them to have buyer's remorse. So, you know, I want them to to be happy with it the way it's made, the way it goes together, um, and have longevity to it. So for instance, like a bed, like if I design one. I'd like to design it as it's timeless. So instead of like, 
you know, you go out and buy the cows jumps over the moon bed. You know, that doesn't play well when your teenage son wants to have friends over. So if you design like the well, well-crafted timeless bed, you know, the kid starts off, you put the Spider-Man, you know, pillow with the, with mm-hmm. the comforter and then they can morph, you know, down the road to it. So you add the Radiohead pillow with the Union Jack flag comforter, something like that. So it really grows with them. Um, and then again, you don't have that customers like, I really wish I'd bought that other bed. And here you can take this bed that goes really from toddler to teen uh, to guest room, um, and it really expands the value of of the product. I think that's. I think it's so smart, and I just love your approach. So, what's your favorite? I'm gonna like put you right on the spot. What is your favorite piece of furniture to design? Like, if someone were to say you could design anything, like what do you or what part of the house, whatever you want, your favorite thing. Again, it's back to the multi-function stuff or the multi-transformer. Like I've yeah. just done this this bookcase that. Traditionally, you can say buy a, a horizontal bookcase or a vertical one, and I've designed one that's going to be launching soon that actually you you buy one one unit and you can set it up where it has legs and everything that can go horizontal and vertical. Um, so it's sort of the – it was a lot of time working out the construction um, with the factory, but it's really cool the way it, it goes together. So for me, it's it's a piece – you know, with all my pieces sort of going around the house and mm-hmm. they can work in different spaces, sometimes it's just the, the construction behind it that maybe the, the customer never sees. Um, and it's really seamless, but the amount of like time and thought and energy and, and stuff that goes into it. I mean, I really sort of like – I'm sort of a mechanic. I was know, just, I was just gonna say, it's like really you're a like mechanic that. or an engineer, like to how it's all coming together because it's, yeah. it's really fast. And I think also again, we have a lot of clients who are in small space living, whether they live in a city or you know they're just tight on space or whatever. And I think your furniture is so wonderful for those types of situations because they are multifunctional. So you could have, you know, incorporate your storage in with your bed, whether it's a headboard or storage underneath or, you know, an art table with the storage for the supplies, whatever it is. So I think, you know, it's not just exclusively for people that live in big spacious homes. You can completely maximize furniture in all different living situations. Right. And, and sort of the buzz right now is where you had those small spaces used to be more considered apartment living, mm-hmm. you know, first apartment for, you know, first out of the house, you've graduated from college. So you're buying inexpensive furniture. Now it's different. People are downsizing. So they, you know, you know, money is not always, or the cost isn't always prohibitive where you can design really nice stuff that people are, are looking to put in these small spaces and make them functional. Um, they just don't have the luxury of, you know, what they may have had in the suburbs and now they're moving to the city. So they do need something that's really, you know, conscious in terms of what it's going to do for them. No, excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now I'm going to switch gears since we know that obviously your brain is very organized by nature in terms of the way that you think about things, but you're also a parent and you are a busy person. So tell me a little bit because we're all about authenticity here. So there's always somewhere that somebody struggles. Tell our listeners a little bit about where you find is your greatest pitfall when it comes to the organizational world. Okay. So here's the confession. Okay. All right. So we're definitely of the ilk where the, uh, the cobbler's kids are running barefoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So although I'm thinking, you know, all day long about storage and how people can get organized, we definitely suffer on the end of being, you know, living in a little of that mayhem. Um, 
And especially when I work, I think everything's so focused on the design that at the end of the day, I'll look around my desk and it looks like an like a hurricane went through. So sometimes, you know, it's not practicing what I preach or it's not striving for what I'm trying to do professionally. So I think one thing is helpful. I've gotten some GPS trackers. So all of my really important stuff, I just hit my phone and a little beeper goes off and I can find stuff. Oh my goodness! You are so funny. I and well, yeah, and I, I don't know if you've heard about it. I just bought this book called Hot Mess. Yeah, really. So I feel like I'm already down the road <laughs> to being reformed. I was gonna say, if you would like, I'd be more than happy to stop over and give you some unsolicited advice on how to tackle your clutter pitfalls. But I be horrified. Oh, please, I would not. I, people ask me all the time. I'm like, "Come over to my house, especially around when we're doing our St. Baldrick's event. My house, I've my kitchen table looks like you you can't eat on it. The kids are like, "We're eating by the TV because the kitchen table is covered with stuff." So that's why I always ask people because, you know, everyone thinks that people like you and I are naturally living in a Pinterest page and we're so not. So I appreciate, I appreciate the confession. Well, I will say one thing though. I, you, I think I read it on your, on a blog of yours or your website years ago of doing the dishwasher at night. Yes. That's one thing we practice religiously here. And you see it, if you don't do it and it ends up looking like, you know, a bachelor pad or fraternity house. Yes. So that's our one, one thing we follow, you know, I I am glad. Yeah. And it's funny because my mother-in-law stayed at my house the other – we had a wedding in Charleston. And so she stayed at my house. And she doesn't have a dishwasher. She lives in Manhattan and doesn't have a dishwasher. So she does everything by hand. And the dishes were done, but the – like my whole counter was like a drying rack for her. And I came in and I was appreciative that she did everything. But I was like, you could have just thrown everything in the dishwasher. And she's like to her, that's like, why, why, why would you do that? You know, right? But um, I'm glad that that tip pays off because I do subscribe to that, and I think it's like super easy. And when you get in the habit of doing it, it yeah. it makes life a little simpler. So now the key is how do you train the kids to do that? That's the, that's for another show, Bill. That's for another show. Okay. We will definitely talk about it. But thank you so much for joining us. And like I said, I will have links to all of Bill's contact information, his product, everything, where you can find him on our show notes so you guys could check it out. Definitely follow him on Instagram. He posts some really great stuff. And he's a super guy, and he's my buddy. And I'm really glad that you took time out of your schedule to be on our show today. Glad I was able to break you down. Thank you so much. a lot of fun. Yeah. And for all of you guys out there, if you are not already subscribed to our show, please click the little subscribe button. Um, Share this podcast with a friend. We love reviews. So please make sure that you spread the word. It actually makes it easier for other people to find us if you um, are subscribed and downloading our episodes. So again, thank you for all your support and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to This Organized Life. If you like what you just heard, please share this podcast. Want free checklists and articles to help you get organized? Visit simplybeorganized.com. That's simply the letter B, organized.com. Simplybeorganized.com. We hope you'll join us next week for another edition of This Organized Life. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. SteveMittmanSocialMedia.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. 
That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.